0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 150 of the In Focus podcast. We've reached another half century. Uh, with me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassena. G'day. Uh, and this week we're going to talk about all the latest news from the Indie World Showcase that happened during the week. And uh, Andrew's going to give us the lowdown on Godstrike. Uh, but before we get to all the uh, the new stuff, we have some updates from the previous episode. Okay, Tori, you uh, have some follow-on thoughts on Doom Eternal on Switch uh, since we spoke last week. How's that going for you? Well, I've beaten
1: the main campaign. That's the same as PC, so <laughs> all of my thoughts are more to do with the Switch port specifically. It gets rough to the point where it's really hard to play, and no, it's not a bloat problem.
0: It totally is.
1: It's not... The features that slow it down, (laughs) it's the fact that there are just too many demons on screen at the one time.
0: Because this it's because there's too many features to deal with demons on screen at one time.
1: I didn't even get to use any of the features against the demons. (laughs) Like it the demons have too many features. (laughs) It chugged and it got me killed a lot. A little disappointing. I mean, more than a bit disappointing. So, some people have beaten this game on Ultra Nightmare on the Switch. I don't know. Maybe it's a problem with playing it handheld because I played this primarily on the light.
0: Could you test that? There's no, like, level select in Doom, is there? Well, yeah, we could test that there is. Undocked. Oh, uh, cool.
1: I did test it on Docked and I did have similar problems, but not to the same degree.
0: Yeah, yeah Panic Button. Uh, I think that's who ported it. Am mm. I right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're pretty decent on the whole, but I... Th- it's uh, They've been hit and miss with the post-game support. Uh, I think they also did Wolfenstein Youngblood, and that was just a lost cause.
1: That was very blurry.
0: Played fine. I just uh, it never got... Well, I don't know if it got, actually got any of the updates eventually, but uh, Andrew tried eventually. it a couple. It did eventually. Months okay, well, after maybe it, the may-
2: other versions got <laughs> updated. I
1: remember Doom 2016 got some post-release updates that vastly improved mm-hmm. the performance. So I'm hoping that happens with Eternal... The DLC apparently is coming, so that's the Agent Gods Part 1 and 2, hopefully mm-hmm. with some improvements, because especially Part 1, it gets really full-on. Like, mm-hmm. right out of the gate, you start the first level, and it's like playing something on the hardest difficulty, even if you're playing on, mm-hmm. like, a lower difficulty. <laughs> it doesn't pull any punches.
0: They definitely improved the visuals in Wolf 2, well long after launch i think uh, but it was oh. too long for me to actually go back to it so
1: i might get that another show i liked that game but i know that's a divisive game in general
0: mm, I, I liked it a lot uh it was young blood i hated just because of the the live servicey bits and some yeah. really weird approaching to like checkpoints and respawning yep. wolfenstein 2 i loved and uh, yeah i'd love playing through that again on on switch so
1: yeah Uh, The last thing to touch on is Battle Mode, which I don't think I really talked about last time. Battle Mode is Doom Eternal's asymmetrical multiplayer, where you have one player playing as the Slayer, uh, fully upgraded, Mm -hmm. they say, but not quite, against two demons, two player player-controlled demons. It's interesting. It's got a very high skill ceiling just because of the nature of Doom Eternal, and having the AI taken over by player, it can get very hectic uh but i also noticed that in this mode because of that it also chugs and it cost me a couple of wins as well mm-hmm. so unfortunately i can't say i'd recommend if, if battle mode is somehow the takeaway for doom eternal in general don't play it on switch <laughs> not yet
0: needs more balloons yeah <laughs> um cool so uh, with that update we'll uh, get straight on to the latest switch news uh, which is of course the indie world showcase Okay, so with the Indie World Showcase, we'll just run through the announcements, Um, we'll we'll talk up if we have anything interesting to say about them, you know, if not, you've heard the show before. So uh, the first thing they announced was uh, Road 96, which is coming later this year, Uh, looks like a procedural narrative adventure with, like, branching stories, a lot of uh, player agency on what happens certainly looked interesting i think the thing for me is with a lot of these uh you know branching storyline games when you when you replay it that illusion of choice kind of breaks eventually this certainly looked like they were making a point of showing like all the different deviations you can make so yeah one to keep an eye on uh what about you two
1: i think you're right in that it looks like the sort of game that once you start playing it like on a multiple playthrough you can kind of see how they what's the word like work around the fact that there's multiple branching storylines that kind of mm-hmm. aren't that different it's just a different flavor but i guess that's its own interesting storytelling mechanic
2: i'm concerned how often things would start to repeat themselves or would seem too similar to each other because you, you see that a lot in more traditional procedurally generated games you start seeing repeating elements almost right away on your next playthrough mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that's going to translate as well to a narrative game. I mean, usually in a narrative game, unless I really, really like it, it's a one and done for me. So this game would need to give me a really good reason to want to play it multiple times.
0: Um, next up was Ariel Knight's Never Yield, uh, or is that Ariel underscore Knight, um, which is an endless runner. Looks like it's got a, a storyline, comes with a cool like hip-hop soundtrack, which seemed really cool. I, I imagine a lot of the actions you do will be fairly rhythm-based. Uh, Tori, I had this one marked down as one you would probably like.
1: I was going to say, I bet you're going to ask me about this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the visual style and the um, music definitely were huge takeaways from me. Uh, endless mm-hmm. Runners, I'm, either they're really good or they're not. I don't know, I'll give it a shot, but uh, I think there's a demo out that uh, I haven't got yet. But yeah, it's just that endless, endless Runner genre isn't always a hit for me. I was... A little confounded by
2: how they're trying to sell this game, you know, about how amazing it is, and it's like, yeah, that looks like an endless runner. <laughs> Although the the music did look cool, or sound cool, mm-hmm. so mild interest, but not, not not a top-tier showing for this event, I think.
0: Uh, can we have more game announcements where the developer calls out the industry as well? Oh,
1: what did he say about this one? Did he?
0: Yeah, yeah he said he... Uh, teamed up with friends to make a space for himself in a gaming industry that had not made room for him previously
1: Oh yeah that's right yes (laughs) we we need more call outs yes
2: Uh i i i guess i just blew right past that it just sounded like streamer beef to me because this guy's a streamer (laughs) isn't he yeah i don't know never heard of
0: him before well
2: more beef i don't want to be too dismissive of him but i just blew right past that because i was just like oh okay <laughs> it was like
1: 1am for me when this showed so i wasn't focused so much on what people were saying just like the gameplay
0: pretty colors yeah uh may 19th for that one yeah the next thing that came up was two games from publisher anna perna whose publishing output i tend to like a lot uh they first showed off uh, last stop which is a it looks like a, a telltale uh narrative style uh, adventure game right down to the like animational jank that's coming in july that one looked really cool Uh, and hindsight which was a a stylized uh, narrative game that's coming in 2021 Um, for me i think last stop looks looked the most interesting uh, not least because it was the one that showed us kind of more of what it was about i didn't really get a sense of how hindsight will play or how its narrative is like how that unfurls to you, but yeah. So out of those two, for me, uh, last stop. I think, uh Andrew.
2: I was just be- interested in these based on Annapurna because they made What Remains of mm-hmm. Edith Finch. So I was like, oh, okay. Say no more.
1: I- I'm interested. And sorry. I'll probably wait to see what people say about these before I jump in. It's a uh, mm-hmm. one of those genres for me.
0: Okay. Uh, next up, uh, Ollie Ollie World coming in quarter four, twenty twenty one. Uh, now I love Ollie Ollie uh one and two uh they are terrific side-scrolling skateboarding games uh they've taken the the basic mechanics of that and have turned it into kind of a platformer with the storyline and cutesy characters uh so i'm i'm into that i think have either of you two played ollie ollie before
1: i've played a little bit of the first one i think it was the first one i really liked Mm -hmm. it but again just kind of stopped playing it and i don't know why (laughs) <laughs> but this one just looks fantastic.
2: I wanted to play them. I just haven't. I did finally buy Ollie the Switch Stance on sale th- in this past week, right after the direct, I think. Mm-hmm. And Switch Dance is the Switch port of the first two games in one package. Mm-hmm. Someday I'll play it. <laughs> Maybe before uh, this comes out, but this looked great. It's going to be a big year for skateboarding games on Switch this year. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I noticed it was on sale, I was going to grab it after the uh, podcast actually, so I'm going to jump back into that again. Next up is The Longing, which came out on the day of the direct. So it's based around uh, the idea of a, a king being asleep for 400 years and you play his last remaining minion who has the the wondrous task of waking him up when that time ends now the, the trailer indicated this plays out in four hundred days real time. It does. But I, I looked at the uh how long to beat and it says seventeen hours. So I'm not sure how that works. But Well,
2: <laughs> you don't have to play it in real time. So like there's mm-hmm. probably seventeen hours of things to do in the four hundred mm-hmm. days, but it's one of those games you have to play a little bit every day, which is why i haven't picked it up even though i think it looks really cool but like i'm still playing animal crossing every day i i, I can't pile on too many play everyday games on myself otherwise i'm not going to get anything done
0: uh, i was uh in on the art style and the concept and then yeah when i when they said real time i was like uh, no
2: well you also don't even really have to do everything like if you mm-hmm. if you want to boot it up on day one and then ignore it for 400 days and then <laughs> boot it back up again to see the ending, you can do that. It's just all the other stuff that you can do in the cave to pass the time. like Mm -hmm. That's like keeping your creature entertained, or like what has the creature been doing for 400 days. That's kind of what's being explored there. But Mm -hmm. if you don't care, and you you just want to add another beaten game to your pile, just boot it up, wait 400 days, then boot it up again. That's it. That's (laughs) the whole game.
1: (laughs) Uh, Sorry? I think this is one of those games that's kind of like pushing the boundaries of the medium, playing around with the expectations of beating a game within a reasonable time frame. Uh, I can applaud it for that, but it's probably not my thing.
0: Uh, Next up was There Is No Game, Wrong Dimension. Uh, This is a point and click comedy game. Looked interesting. One I'll probably slap on my wish list and pick up at a a later time. Uh, How did you two land on this one? I don't get it.
2: (laughs) I could not make heads or tails of this game and no interest.
0: <laughs> it's just one of those like comedy non-games, which I, I guess it's in the title. It's just a bunch of stuff that happens. Some of it must be funny, some, some won't be. A weird one, but I'm interested. I, I like the the weird sort of experimental stuff as well. So, Next up, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. Definitely excited for this one, uh, harking back to the old 80s. Side-scrolling beat-em-ups, not typically a genre I would enjoy, but it has the Turtles license attached to it, and I was a big Turtles nerd when I was a kid, so yeah, colour me interested. Uh, The art style looks fantastic, the music sounded great, definitely picking this one up. Uh, Andrew, I can imagine you being up for this
2: one. Oh yeah, I grew up playing the Ninja Turtle beat-em-up game, so yeah, definitely Mm -hmm. want to play this.
1: Sorry? I know next to nothing about uh, Ninja Turtles, so... It's a miss from me from that side, but the gameplay looks really fun. Okay, uh, just
0: quickly before we move on, uh, Andrew, favorite turtle? Donatello. I knew you were going to be a Donatello, man. Uh, Raphael for me. Uh, Tori won't have one.
2: <laughs> the purple one. Donatello! Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I like purple. <laughs> Fine, I changed mine to Leonardo. <laughs>
0: the boring one? come on it's
2: not michelangelo or Raphael, depending upon the adaptation Uh,
0: michelangelo is the absolute worst one his shtick was tired in the in the 80s and that and that was his era (laughs) yeah moving on Uh, next up was chris tales which is a time traveling rpg uh, strong influence from jrpgs turn-based combat Uh, had some uh, interesting looking mechanics in relation to time travel where you could Change the age of enemies for advantages. Uh, that looked neat, but I think I want to see more about it. Uh, the, I think this one was already on the Switch Store, and I've already wishlisted it just on on the art style.
2: It's been in the coming soon page for like a year, so it's nice that it finally has a release date.
0: Yes, sorry. Uh,
1: the art style, yeah, definitely stood out, but I don't know if it's my genre yet. RPG is one of the. Uh, I keep saying this, it's one of those genres where it really has to grab me to to pull me in.
2: Well, this was top tier from this event for me, this was the game, I was like, I want that.
0: Okay, uh, next up was Getsu Fumiden, Undying Moon, uh, which was like a Japanese-themed action platformer. Uh, combat looks really fun. I missed the little Konami reference, Andrew, sorry.
2: Uh, this game is made by Konami, apparently. Although, oh, indie. Is, what they probably outsourced it to another company, knowing knowing Konami and how they operate now. Uh, but it's based on <laughs> uh, a really old platformer they made from the NES, I think, um, that they've inexplicably resurrected for 2021.
0: So, oh, okay, yeah, that's weird.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a strange choice.
0: Yeah, and if you know, if they're backing it, is it an indie?
2: There was a lot of discussion about that, like there was this game, and then later on there was the House of the Dead remake, which Mm -hmm. was made by an indie studio, I think, but is a Sega property.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and like when they uh, mentioned Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that was one that raised my eyebrow, you know, because it's a big property, but you know, it's being published by an indie publisher. And uh, yeah, I was uh, today years old when I realized that Sega had nothing to do with Street to Rage 4. Uh, in terms of publishing um oh really yeah yeah that that surprised me it it was uh Doss and Mew, the ones that at publishing turtles game industry makes no sense yeah <laughs> getting abstract uh next up was uh, aztec forgotten gods uh, that's coming quarter 3 2021 uh, 2021 uh that is a 3d action game looks interesting looks like it's got puzzle elements uh they had that interesting section where the character looks like they leave behind a, a power-up so I don't know quite what's going on there um, but I think I want to see more of it before I, uh, I decide on that one
2: I want to see more of it too, like I'm skeptical that that's what the game actually looks like on Switch, because this is a really good looking indie game, quite often on multi-platform releases, the Switch you know, it, it's the worst looking one or it's the worst performing one, or some combination of the two, and like the way the character was kind of throwing themselves into those rings that was launching them across the city. And it looked like if you did that wrong, you fall in a pit and you die. I I, want to see more of that because I feel like that's something that would be really finicky and I wouldn't enjoy doing. I need to see more of this.
1: I think for me, it was the highlight of the entire presentation. I will always say that games with interesting and fluid traversal they typically end up being my favorite games. It looks like a lot of fun to just kind of whiz around the uh, the game area and punch things And as long as it runs well on Switch because I'm a little bit skeptical as well, but sometimes they pull off some amazing stuff.
0: Uh, and then the next one I, I feel had Andrew written all over it, which was Skull the Hero Slayer, which is a uh, prop gen action platformer coming in quarter two 2021. Uh, where you can swap your head to get different abilities looked really neat and uh, like the combat looked really fluid and fun and uh, all action paced. Am I right in my prediction that this is one you'd have your eye on?
2: I've been aware of this game for a while. It looks okay. Mm. Like there, there are a lot of enemies on there, and I, I kind of, I'm not really into those kind of games where it just floods the screen with enemies. It's like okay,
0: mm-hmm. kind of gave me Dead Cells vibes, and I'm not sure why. Because it's a side-scrolling action. Yeah, probably. Roguelite. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pro- that's proc gen. Um, sorry. That whole switching heads thing reminds me of this other game called Gonna. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that had a similar thing. This was, Wasn't it roguelike or something? Roguelite? Yeah, I think so.
2: Yeah, it was procedurally generated platformer.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm starting to fall in love with that. I- I'm going to call it a subgenre because it's such a niche thing. I, I guess I'd like to see more of it, more impressions before I jump in myself.
0: Cool. Uh, then we got the sizzle reel, uh, customary, of course, uh, always comes in the, the last third of the show. Uh, they kicked that off with Art of Rally coming in quarter to 2021, which is a top-down uh, rally game, but with a really stylized art style that allows you to sort of not only read the road and how you need to turn it, but also you know, gives you something really pretty to look at as you <laughs> as you play. Uh, that's one I'm definitely interested in.
2: Yeah, I thought of you
1: when I saw that one.
2: <laughs> I'm just terrible at drifting, so, you know, <laughs> instead of learning how to do it, I just immediately lose interest in any game focused on drifting. Uh,
0: then we've got uh, Kiwi, spelled ki uh, which is a co-op postal puzzler. Uh, using the infamous birds. Co-op
1: rules me out, unfortunately. Tori, I don't know why I I felt this had your vibe. you know what it reminded me of? There were these, like, I spy books when I was a kid. It was just a bunch of random objects and there were actual photographed things and it would challenge you to find specific items in it. It looks exactly Mm -hmm. like that to me, which unfortunately means it's too visually noisy (laughs) for me to really (laughs) understand what's going on.
2: I couldn't make heads or tails of this game either, so I just was like, no, that's all right. Thanks anyway.
0: Wait till we see more. Uh, Now me and Andrew are going to have a fight about this next one, based on the show notes. Labyrinth City, Pierre the Maze Detective, (laughs) which is an adventure game that looks like Where's Wally?
2: And I don't care what you say, Andy, it's Wally, not Waldo.
0: (laughs) Okay, here's where we're going to school. Made by a British author and artist called Martin Hanford in the United Kingdom. Is line of books called Where's Wally, which got renamed in the US to Waldo.
1: Yeah. It's Where's Wally. (laughs) I'm sorry. Which makes the whole Oddlaw thing more confusing. Yeah, I was
0: just about to raise that because Oddlaw's name makes no sense. He should be called (laughs) Yilaw. I I love the art style on this one. That alone has my attention
2: yeah i thought this was like a fun adventure game again
1: too visually noisy for me to really focus on any one (laughs) thing in it i get really easily distracted when there's too many details it's that thing where the 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 player that you're the character that you're moving around has the same level of detail as everything else in the environment Mm -hmm. it would overwhelm me
0: uh next up weaving tides uh an adventure game top-down adventure game it looks like it has some kind of zelda and rpg elements you ride carpet dragons which is interesting <laughs> uh, visually very pretty but this is real didn't really give it enough uh, focus for me to make a decision on that i'll wait till we see more
2: yeah i couldn't even tell what this game was just looking at it except that it seemed to have a lot of carpet in it so <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah hopefully it'll come up again and i can get a better idea of what it actually is and what i do
1: i feel like sizzle reels don't do a lot of indie games justice they're typically some of the more conceptually out there or complex games mm-hmm. and so i have no idea what this is
0: i <laughs> i only know that it's a top-down adventure game with carpet dragons because i looked up the steam page so next up uh, house of the dead remake coming uh, this year I am really hoping for motion or IR controls here. Uh, I think that is where that's going to live or die. I
2: can't imagine it wouldn't have them.
0: Nah, sizzle reel did not make anything mm. clear, of course. So
2: It would be bizarre if a House of the Dead game didn't have, you know, aiming, like motion aiming. Like mm-hmm. uh, The Switch doesn't have an IR sensor like the Wii did, so even though it has IR, it, it wouldn't be run that way so it would have to be motion controlled but Mm -hmm. I liked the House of the Dead games on Wii Mm -hmm. and I just I can't imagine that they would make another one for console that doesn't have uh, motion controls because that's that's what the House of the Dead games have always been and it's going to be an immediate problem if it's driven by buttons or even by touch screen It, it needs motion controls or it's not House of the Dead
0: yeah uh, it, it's almost like going back to The, uh, the World Ends for You about having that without two screens. <gasps> <laughs> typing of the Dead was good. I liked that version. I love Typing of the Dead. <laughs> so good. <laughs> cool. So uh, next up was Ender Lily's Quietus of the Nights. Uh, this is in early access on PC already. You can probably tell that I've been looking at Steam pages. Uh, strong Hollow Knight vibes from this one, but there's only one Hollow Knight game that I'm looking forward to in the near future and that silk song which has evaded us so far
2: well, I got plenty of time in my life for as many of these games as they want to make and uh, this was another one I, I knew about before the switch port was announced and the character you play as endeavor actually fights instead she's accompanied by spirits or demons or familiars or something and they do all the fighting for her and you you can kind of see that in the trailer where there's a brief flash of her in a boss fight and she just kind of collapses out of the way of a bullet instead of, you know, moving out of the way and then fighting back. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how the whole game works. You play as this character who never fights and she just has these demons that do all the fighting for her. So uh, that's an interesting concept. And if they execute it well, I think this could be a cool game.
0: Yeah, that sounds more interesting. Uh, Next up was uh, Beast of Maravilla Island. Um, Now, Andrew has previously expressed disappointment that Pokemon Snap is going to be on on Rails (laughs) picture-taking shooter and i was looking at this and nick i was thinking it kind of looks like the picture taking adventure you were hoping that would be
2: i did not even realize that's what they were showing me in this sizzle reel but yes i am annoyed slash disappointed <laughs> that the new pokemon snap is on rails again but th- this didn't really catch my eye so
0: <laughs> yeah it, it seemed like a lot of walking around in a forest and snapping pictures of the wildlife unless that's just a side element but uh yeah, how to, to tell again sizzle reels
1: it looks interesting it, it kind of gave me the vibe of there was that game it was technically ea but it was also indie called uh, Fay or fee Yeah, fee. Mm-hmm. i was getting like that sort of vibe from the the design and the, the level uh how it was put together kind of keen little interested
0: cool. and the last thing on the sizzle reel uh, sorry, on the sizzle reel. Was Fez, uh, available now, which is the uh, Phil Fisher's uh, infamous puzzle platformer. Obviously, Polytron have been publishing it here, there, and everywhere since since its original uh, release. Started on Vita, never finished it. I probably should go back. I have it on Steam. Do I want to spend the money on Switch again? I don't know. This is one of those I, I should knock off my uh, pile of shame at some point, And now it's suddenly back in my... Uh, line of sight yeah uh, andrew you, you played this one before or you, you're looking to pick this up
2: i'll pick it up eventually but i'm not in any great rush to play it you know it's one of those games i'm sure that i'm gonna pick it up and play it and then i'm gonna go this is the game that everybody has been raving about for a decade it's like it's like <laughs> it's okay <laughs> and i'm just not real motivated to play it
1: yeah i i've played the the start of it and i just it didn't click with me I can appreciate what it's going for and I can see why a lot of people like it, but yeah, it just didn't work for me.
2: Everybody's like, oh, it's that, it's so clever. It's it's a 2D game, but it exists in a 3D environment and you can rotate it around and change how how you move through it. And when you rotate it, it it creates new platforms. And I'm like, oh, that's that's Super Paper Mario. Yeah, I played that. It was a good (laughs) game.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, Uh, everyone hyped it up to the point People did that with Inception with me They went, oh, this is the best movie I've ever seen And then I saw it and went, yeah, it's good <laughs> I feel like that's Fez Is that everyone talked it up And then I played it and went, yeah, okay That was it? Or or was it?
0: Ooh. The one last announcement was Oxen Free 2 Lost Signals So when they did the one more thing I was convinced it was Silksong um, I, I sat up in my little chair full of hope uh, and then they hit me with a sequel of a game that I didn't like very much. No, that's harsh. Uh, I didn't hate it. It was... <laughs> I did not like the characters in that that game, which is... Uh, kind of kills the experience when it's so focused on story. Uh, yeah, so Oxenfree 2. Andrew, are you interested?
2: Not supremely. Like, Oxenfree had a lot of interesting ideas, like how the the dialogue works is you're, you're intended to interrupt the other characters with your own dialogue, so it's supposed to represent you know the way people actually talk a little better compared to other narrative games which can feel very scripted because they are very scripted i was so used to that style of game that i i forgot that i was supposed to be interrupting people so i would just let people finish what they were saying <laughs> and then a lot of the time the thing i wanted to say would then disappear because uh it assumed i didn't want to say anything because i was being polite and not interrupting people so, and then i got to the ending and i, <laughs> I thought the ending was a huge cop-out so I, I didn't think much of oxen free really interesting ideas not so great execution It's interesting they're even making a sequel at all because the ending that I did not like kind of precludes the possibility of a sequel. Uh, But I, Mm -hmm. I, I think I see the direction they're going for getting a sequel into this and without spoiling the first game at all because uh, it is a pretty good twist I didn't see it coming I just I just didn't like it <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like it wasted my time the entire game did with that ending not real interested in a sequel to it
0: yeah I, I felt the the dialogue was uh, way more intelligent and introspective than most kids of the ages they were portraying would think but hey that's uh, old man yells at cloud sorry
1: i only played the first game because spotify recommended the soundtrack of the first game to me and i liked it so i thought i'd give the game a shot i think i got like two or three hours in and i just like the dialogue heavy sort of games just kind of drain me <laughs> maybe i'll go back and try and finish it but i'll be in that position where i don't remember what i was doing last
0: so that was a, a weird thing as as your one more thing wasn't particularly hype certainly not for us anyway um and that was it for the indie showcase on the whole i th- i thought it was solid but i thought it was solid in the way that there's probably a lot of stuff for other people and and not a great deal that i would be eager to play like day one just looking back through the list probably turtles and ollie ollie world are my hi- highlights and the- obviously the anna and stuff we already discussed andrew what were your highlights
2: the highlights for me were Chris Tales and Turtles, which I already knew were coming. So this was a pretty <laughs> non-exciting indie world presentation for me. I was just like, okay, that was nice. It's good to know what's coming, but I'm just not real interested in most of it. And what I was interested in, I already knew existed. So <laughs> kind of a letdown.
0: <laughs> and Tori, your highlights?
1: I think Aztec was definitely the one that stuck in my mind after it afterwards but Mm -hmm. um also ollie ollie i i like skating stuff so
0: okay uh and with that uh let's go on and talk about god strike okay andrew you uh were blessed with a review uh a A review code for for god strike this week i believe
2: yes i got it from our friends at stride pr through Ray again uh so thanks for that mm-hmm. god strike is a twin stick bullet hell shooter where i play as the last herald and i go through a boss rush of 10 different bosses to defeat some monsters that exist in this space for some reason the game doesn't really explain so <laughs> there is a story the story seemed really disconnected from the events of the game Uh, I'm not going to get into the whole thing because it would take me a long time, and then I would just go, none of it mattered. So let's just skip right to the end and say there is a story. It doesn't matter. Let's move on. Uh, (laughs) How the game works is it's all built around time. Time is both your currency and your health bar. Before I start the boss battle, I'm in this kind of floating platform in this void of space that has two magic books in it. By going to these books, I can equip my character with skills for the coming battle. One of the books has skills I can equip for free. I can equip up to four of them, and they just passively change how my character works. Like They might make it so I have 30 extra seconds of time in the battle. They might make it so my character moves faster. And there are 10 of these in the story mode, 20 in the post-game arena mode that I can select from, and I can select up to four, so there's... There's a lot of different dimensions of choices I can make there as far as building my character, and you know, different bosses, depending upon how they work, are going to favor different passive abilities. And the other book is where things get a little more complicated, because those are my active skills. And when I'm fighting each boss, if I can hit them enough times in a row, in a narrow window of time, they'll drop souls, and by picking up those souls, those charge my active skills, and my active skills do things like they might teleport the warden a short distance forward, they might activate a shield that absorbs all of the bullet hell projectiles, or they might do cleanse, which completely clears the screen of bullets entirely. But to equip these skills, I have to sacrifice a certain amount of time from my total time to fight the boss. So like, if I want to use the, the Warden Step skill, which flashes me forward a little bit, that's going to cost me 15 seconds of my total time. So I have to justify that sacrifice by making sure that I am using those defensive skills to save more time than I'm spending to be able to use it in the first place. And same thing goes for the offensive skills. If I'm taking a skill that costs me 30 seconds to equip, I have to make sure that I'm dealing enough damage that I'm making up for that 30 seconds I'm losing by equipping it. And then the other half of how time works, and this leads into how I have to justify the skills I'm using, time is also your health. When you get hit, you lose 15 seconds of time from your remaining total. And the object of the game is to defeat all the bosses without running out of time. And if you do run out of time, it's not game over yet, but your next hit will be a game over. And a few of the bosses seem to be built around tanking so you are going to run out of time (laughs) unless you're really really good and you really know what you're doing you just got to get through that last wave of the boss without getting hit otherwise it's going to be an instant game over i found the difficulty of the bosses pretty uneven i got stuck on the second boss in the game for quite a long time and the reason that happened was because when you're playing through the story mode you unlock one active skill and one passive skill for each boss you defeat. So when I got to the second boss, I really had no choices to, as far as how to build my character. I just had to keep beating my face against that boss until it finally went down. And I was very happy when it did, even though it took like three hours to finally do it. <laughs> and then after that, I unlocked a multi-shot skill that really pumped up my DPS Then that made it so I was able to get through the remaining bosses of the game in fairly short order, about three or four hours to clear out the next eight bosses in the game. Then I got to the last boss, and that was a five-hour effort to get through it. But uh, that was the last boss, so I was a little less annoyed with that than I was with getting stuck on the second boss. And the bosses are pretty interesting. There's a lot of different bullet hell concepts in it. Like uh, The third boss, I think, was the most interesting because it's this giant demon that lives in a rib cage in the first phase and you have to bust through it. And it's shooting these waves of bullets at, at me, so I have to keep shooting this stationary thing while I'm weaving between these bullet waves at the same time. And there's no let up, so... I really had to multitask there, and that was was where I really felt that the bullet hell was clicking with me. It's like, oh, I can do this. Enter the Gungeon misled me. I'm I'm not incapable of playing this kind of game, even though I do need a lot of practice and a lot of effort to get through it. (laughs) The difficulty, I did feel, was cranked up quite a bit higher because I chose to play it on a console. On a PC, you just point where you want your bullets to go with the mouse and you move with the WASD keyboards. And that works pretty well because of the precision the mouse gives you. On a console, for twin-stick shooting, you're using the right joystick to aim. And in friendlier twin-stick shooters, especially like Enter the Gungeon, which I beat last week, they will give you some sticky targeting where if you're aiming in the general direction of an enemy your bullets will go to it. Godstrike did not have that. So I was having to aim with very minute precision like a like single digit degrees of error in the 360 degrees I could point in on the right joystick while I'm also trying to dodge bullets with the left joystick and it's played from a overhead three quarters perspective where the camera is placed up really high and it looks down on the battlefield in an angle which is a really dynamic camera angle it looks really cool for 3d games but it also made it so i was trying to shoot at enemies and i was aiming for their torso and their head even though their torso and their head were actually so high up i couldn't actually hit them but the perspective was tricking me into thinking I could but even though several bosses the only way to really hit them is to target their knees so I, I really struggled with that especially on the last boss with my bullets flying just above the enemy instead of into them because I was misled by the camera angle on where they were vulnerable at. So that that was where I really struggled with the game. I think it's its biggest weakness is for how it's designed on consoles. It could easily be patched to have sticky targeting, and then it, it would be a much more, much friendlier experience, I think, for newcomers. I didn't dislike it, but I'm not over the moon about it either. Like it, it's it's a, a game I played that at least taught me that I am capable of playing bullet hell games. So, hmm.
0: yeah. well worthwhile for that alone yeah
2: it was a valuable learning experience if nothing else
0: <laughs> and that is it for this episode okay folks what are we playing in the coming week andrew will start with you
2: oh, i'm out of season again but i i won a code in a contest for a game called savage halloween which looks an awful lot like halloween forever i suspect mm-hmm. there's some relation between the two games even though it's published by two different companies i'm going to investigate that a little more
0: cool uh for me it's going to be something from the backlog i haven't decided yet so i'll run through my list of unplayed games and, and pick something
1: uh Tori? um so finally starting a playthrough of resident evil revelations 2 mm. so oh nice keen to uh have some thoughts on that next episode cool i hope you enjoy that one Thanks for listening to this episode of Focus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, it really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. That's for PlayStation and Xbox. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. You can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodula.com for updates, news, and other content. Links for all of these are in our show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of these are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew, and you can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically, or check out his long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. Our host, Andy, you can follow at flame roast toast. And myself at STU2, that's STWTWO.